0: folks that are going to head to their classes we pray for each person now that we might be yielded and ready to hear from you we ask it in Jesus name amen, amen. all right as always the younger folks if you can make your way to your class and for your older folks let's open your bibles please to 1st Timothy chapter 3 or chapter 1 i'm sorry excuse me 1st Timothy chapter 1 There's a big part of me that simply wants to greet everybody for the next 30 minutes and tell stories about what's been going on for the last three months. Um, I will, during the announcements this morning, say more about the uh, abbreviated furlough that we've just returned from. But so, I just, words cannot tell you. Words cannot express how glad I am to be here with you this morning and be back. Uh, This morning, we're going to begin, this is an introductory lesson for a series that I'd like to do for the next several weeks. This will probably take um, 10, 12 lessons at least. I'm titling the series, Tricky Topics. Tricky Topics. And uh, there, there are certain topics that are obviously not easy to address in, in a church. And uh, n- now this is nothing, you know, uh, risque, nothing like that. Just certain things that when you're talking to the church, it's a little difficult to say things such as... Uh, talking about money and tithing and talking about how to treat the pastor. and talk. Some of those things can be a bit awkward. They're tricky topics, but they're important topics. And by the end of the lesson, I'm going to give you the whole list of what I'm planning to, to cover just so that you can have that in mind. And as always, if there's something we cover and after the lesson you might have a question or two about it, you're more than welcome to, to come and ask. Uh, you know, sometimes as a pastor, you look at a topic... And you think, do I even want to touch on that? Because if I open that can of worms, right? once I open it, it's open. But yet, the Apostle Paul said in the book of Acts that he gave the Ephesians all the counsel of God. So even those difficult, tricky topics, when the Bible is clear on those things, they need to be addressed. And that, by the grace of God, is what I'd like to do for these next several weeks is, is take on these topics from a biblical standpoint and then do our best to learn from them in 1st Timothy chapter 1 I want to this is going to be a very brief and quick overview of the entire book of 1st Timothy all six chapters of it and I want you to see that Paul is leaving this young man now when I say young Timothy was probably in his upper 30s maybe 40 in the Bible that's young amen (laughs) just getting started in life He's saying, I'm leaving you behind, young man, to take care of the church in Ephesus. Paul, of course, started that church. And he says in verse number 3, As I besought thee to abide still at Ephesus when I went into Macedonia, that thou mightest charge some that they teach no other doctrine. This is a new church. Paul had been with the Ephesians for three years. For lack of a better term, we could say Paul was their pastor for three years. And even as he goes, and he knows there's been a little bit of time with him away, there are some doctrinal issues swirling in the church that need to be addressed. You cannot ignore it. You cannot say, well, this is tricky and delicate and some people might get upset and angry and maybe they'll disagree or misunderstand. You've got to deal with it. He said, Timothy... You're going to have to put on your big boy britches and deal with these, whether you want to call it sensitive, which is in faith, so do. Now, a fable is a myth. It's some made-up story. It is a traditional tale that attempts to explain your culture. Why do we do these things in the church? Well, you know, Opa, Oma, they did this. And then these stories start to develop and... They might have even developed with good intentions. Maybe there was, you know, a, some reason in the in the past that those things started. That was not a bad reason, but is it a biblical reason? So Paul says, Timothy, deal with those. And then genealogies. This was more of a Jewish problem in the day. They would try to prove that they were linked to the priesthood, or you know, my family was had some prestige, so you should treat us with great honor and so forth. But the problem is this. Mayopah Avis Johan. All right, Marvatri Johan. There's as if there's only one man named Johan. <laughs> there's lots of Johan. So this this genders questions rather than answers. And now we're running around trying to prove who you're connected to. You know, I know this guy, and I'm connected to, and he was my uncle, and da da da. And but even if you could prove it, what are you gaining? In the New Testament, it doesn't matter who your opal was. It matters about your personal relationship with Christ. So that's Paul says you need to deal with those things. In verses 7 and 8, he says they are desiring to be teachers of the law, understanding neither what they say nor whereof they affirm, But we know that the law is good if a man use it lawfully. So, without getting into a lot of explanation on these next few things, let's just sum it up and say they they were using the law, the Old Testament, improperly. Paul says, Timothy, you need to deal with that. You're going to have people disagree and fight against it. You need to deal with it. Chapter 2, verse number 1. I exhort, therefore, that first of all, supplications, prayers, intercessions, and giving of thanks be made... For all men, for kings, for all that are in authority, that we may lead a quiet and peaceable life in all godliness and honesty. But this is good and acceptable in the sight of God our Savior, who will have all men to be saved and to come unto the knowledge of the truth. Paul says, Timothy, you need to deal with the attitude that your church has towards its government. You know, I would much rather not talk about that. I'd much rather not discuss how people talk and feel and think about it. The Bible gives us some very clear direction. We are to pray for them. Other places tells us to submit to them. And we should be concerned about their salvation. Now see, that can be a bit tricky, especially as an outsider. I hope this morning you appreciate the challenge that I have as an outsider. I get it. As an American stepping into this, the first thing that might go through your mind and that does go through my mind, is how am I qualified to speak about South African government? Right? I mean, I I haven't been here. I haven't lived it. You guys have. Now, by the grace of God, these are things that we do talk about when necessary. It might be a bit tricky, you see. Chapter 2, look at verse 9. In like manner also that women adorn themselves in modest apparel... "...with shamefacedness and sobriety, not with broided hair or gold or pearls or costly array, but which becometh women professing godliness with good works. Let the women learn in in silence with all subjection." And he goes on for a few more verses about that. Paul says you need to address the conduct of the women in the church. And while you're talking about that, make sure that they're dressing modestly. Tricky topic. Tricky topic because, well, here in our culture, this isn't so bad. Where you're from, that might be seen a little bit different. It gets tricky. Now, we're not covering that today, but you can see 2,000 years ago, this was an issue. And it remains an issue today. So this is actually, not all of these things in Timothy are, are things that need to be addressed by us. Some of these things are not as pressing on us, like how to deal with the law, things like that. That was more of a challenge back then. We will address it as necessary. Some of these things are still an issue. And and we will deal with it by the grace of God. Let me show you another one. Chapter 3, verse 1. And let me just summarize here because there's a long passage all the way down to verse 13. This is a true saying. If a man desire the office of a bishop, he desireth a good work. Who wants to be a pastor? That's a good thing. And then Paul goes on for the next several verses. Here's what qualifies a man to be a bishop. Here's for a deacon. Here's how you choose him. Here's what uh, challenges such people will face as you know, a novice might have issues with pride. It can be a bit tricky to choose the leadership of the church. So he says you need to deal with that. Uh, chapter 3, verse 16. And without controversy, great is the mystery of godliness. God was manifest in the flesh justified in the Spirit, seen of angels, preached unto the Gentiles, believed on in the world, received up into glory. This particular mystery of godliness, it has to do with Jesus being God. We call that the deity of Christ. God was manifest in the flesh. So we read in John chapter 1, In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. Later on it says the Word became flesh, right? Came down and dwelt among us and so forth. So this is an issue, and it has been. People today are still discussing the nature of Christ. So this was another tricky topic, especially in the early days. still is now, but this was a big deal in the early days. Paul says, Timothy, don't shy away from that. Just because it's controversial, you have to talk about it. You need to be sure you understand Christ properly. Look at chapter 4, verse number 1. Now the Spirit speaketh expressly, that in the latter times some shall depart from the faith, giving heed to seducing spirits and doctrines of devils. Now when Paul says in the latter times, he believed that he was in the latter times. Now if Paul was in the latter times, he believed that the Lord could show up at any moment. 2,000 years later, we still believe that. This is the the latter of the latter times. We're right at the, you know, we're at the R of the latter, (laughs) right? We're at the end of that thing. He says, there are going to be seducing spirits, doctrines of devils. These are things that would be taught amongst churches. He says, don't shy away. Verse three, here they are forbidding to marry and commanding to abstain from meat. So some were saying it's wrong to get married, and others saying you can't eat this, you can't eat that. The Jewish dietary law and all of that. Paul says you got to deal with it you can't skip it Uh, let's look at chapter 4 verse 8 for bodily exercise which by the way this is one of the fables this Ophro Sturi if you see it in verse 7 old wives fables the Ophro Sturi this is one of them verse 8 for bodily exercise profiteth little so in those days there was a teaching going about that if you're physically healthy that makes you somehow spiritual Aren't you glad that's not true? <laughs> For bodily exercise profiteth little, but godliness is profitable unto all things. So Paul recognizes that getting exercise, staying healthy is a good thing. It is profitable. It's right you should do it, but it's nothing compared to godliness. You need to exercise your body, yes, but don't forget to exercise your and your spirit. Your heart, your mind towards God. You see, because this, exercising those spiritual things, makes an eternal difference. Exercising your body makes a temporary difference. It will improve the quality of your mortal body, of your life. But he wanted to make sure that this was addressed. Now, do you see how this could be tricky? As soon as you stand up in church and go, okay, let's talk about how healthy everybody is. How let's uh, talk about if you're in shape or not. Everybody that's been to America for three months and has a few extra pounds goes, oh no, he's talking about me. <laughs> that can be a bit tricky, right? So maybe, maybe the, the temptation for the pastor, let's just not talk about that. But there it stands. So something you, not, you, you need to address. Chapter 5. Chapter 5 and verses 3 all the way down to 16. It talks about how to care for widows in the church. But then Paul's actually telling Timothy, within the church, you're going to have some older folks, older than you as the pastor. You're going to have some people your age. You're going to have some people younger than you. Which, obviously, that's always going to happen. How do you approach them? So, from the very beginning, rebuke not an elder. You see that in verse 1? Rebuke not an elder, but entreat him as a father, and the younger men as brethren. So the way you address somebody that's older than you in the church May not be the same as it should not be the same as you would address somebody about the same age, same stage of life. That can be a bit tricky, especially again as an outsider. I may not be familiar with all of your cultural and, and customs and you know cultural things. And but it's still something. Hey, you got to be respectful. Respect the gray hairs and all of that. That's something we need to talk about. All right, in verse number seventeen. Let the elders that rule well be counted worthy of double honor. Now, elders, the way the word is used in the New Testament as it refers to the church, any leader in the church is considered an an elder. But let the elders that rule well be counted worthy of double honor, especially they who labor in the word and doctrine. Now, in verse 18, you can see what this honor somewhat has to do. It's not just money. Right there, There is another aspect to respecting him. But verse 18, For the Scripture saith, Thou shalt not muzzle the ox that treadeth out the corn, and the labor is worthy of his reward. Paul tells Timothy to go to the church he's pastoring and teach them about paying him properly. Do <laughs> you see how tricky that could be? Let's talk about the pastor's salary and the leadership salary. That can be tricky, but it's something that should be addressed. By the grace of God, this is one thing that we're going to talk about. Uh, then the rest of the chapter, chapter 5, it, it talks about how to deal with leadership. What if somebody makes a mistake? If a leader makes a mistake, how do you deal with that? How do you choose men for ordination? What's the process for that? And that can also be tricky, I mean. A lot of times, church leadership is decided upon as a popularity contest. And it becomes very political. People start campaigning within the church and shaking hands and getting friendly at the door and in between services and, you know, hey, you need help at the house? I got connections and doing favors. And now, come time, some churches vote, you know, on their leadership and I'll get the votes. You see how that can get very tricky if you deal with it biblically and we teach you about how to properly approach it, then we miss, or hopefully you know, avoid, a lot of those issues. Alright, let's look at chapter 6, verse 1. Let as many servants as are under the yoke count their own masters, worthy of all honor, that the name of God and His doctrine be not blasphemed. And they that have believing masters, let them not despise them, because they are brethren, but rather do them service, because they are faithful and beloved, partakers of the benefit. These things... Paul says. Teach and exhort. When you're in church, you don't... Listen, we're going to talk about worshiping God and receiving Christ, and those things should be preeminent. But how you act at work tomorrow, there it stands. It it can be tricky. You say, Pastor, you don't know my boss. (laughs) You don't understand the work situation I have. That's where it gets a bit tricky. It's a little bit complicated, but still, there's a right way to deal with it. Uh, Let's get another one here. Chapter 3. Uh, uh, 6, I'm sorry. Verse 3, If any man teach otherwise, consent not to wholesome words, even the words of our Lord Jesus Christ, and to the doctrine which is according to godliness, he is proud, knowing nothing, but doting about questions and strifes of words. Guys, doting is he jumps from one thing to the next. It sounds like this. Yeah, but what about this? Yeah, but what about that? Yeah, but what about this? And before you can even give a complete answer, yeah, but what about this? And he says, This kind of guy, watch what Paul says about him, doting about questions and strifes of words, whereof cometh envy, strife, railings, evil surmisings, perverse disputings of men of corrupt minds, destitute of the truth, supposing that gain is godliness. Paul says, From such withdraw thyself. It's a tricky topic. How do you deal with false teachers? What's the proper Biblical attitude towards them? In the day and age in which we live, this is some, we have addressed, addressed this in our church on several occasions. In the present day and age in which we live, the idea is ignore all the differences. Let's all just get along. It's wrong to say that someone else is wrong. It's wrong to judge anybody else. So, and, if, and if you're judging anybody else and saying, listen, the way you're teaching that is incorrect, you become the bad guy biblically that's almost the opposite i mean there's always you need to have the right attitude about that right you need to speak the truth but paul makes it clear timothy don't it's a tricky topic but here's how you handle it all right let's get another one in chapter 6 when you get down to verse 6 all the way down to about 10 and then there's a, a little parentheses if you will and then verses 17 to the end of the chapter it's all about money you can just see it Briefly here Uh, verse 9 they that will be rich fall into temptation and a snare So if your goal in life is simply to make more money You are going to be tempted to cut corners cheat corruption Paul says talk about it You need to talk about corrupt business practices And cheating and lying and, and not paying your taxes You need to talk about that in the church Verse 10 the love of money is the root of all evil Verse 17 charge them that are rich in this world that they be not high-minded nor trust in uncertain riches but in the living God. And it goes on to talk about how they should use their money. You understand, you talk about money, that is extremely tricky because, well, for a number of things, but one, there are a lot of pastors who fall into verse 9. They are the ones who will be rich. They are the ones, verse 10, who have a love for money. They are the ones, verse 5, supposing that gain is godliness. So, the pastor's intentions, why is he teaching that? That can be called. It's tricky. Now, if I look at these things and go, okay, these are, you can get the ball rolling. But I'm planning to show up as well and I'll help you out on this. And that's a, that is a great blessing. right? In the mouth of two or three witnesses, every word gets established. It's great when the pastor stands up and teaches it. And then... Some other man in the church gets up and teaches on these same things and there's a unified voice. By the grace of God, we're going to have a a string of visiting preachers from from America. Several people have expressed interest in coming. You're going to hear you know, not all these topics, but they will also echo certain biblical truths. And that's Paul's plan. Timothy, you start teaching, but I'm going to come as well. But in the meantime, verse 15, if I tarry long that thou mayest know how thou oughtest to behave thyself in the house of God, which is the church of the living God, the pillar and ground of the truth. As many of you know, if you've been through discipleship, in the Bible there are two kinds of churches, what we call the universal church, known as the body of Christ. Every saved person is a member of that. It doesn't matter if you're an American, South African, Chinese, whatever. If you're saved, you're in that church. But then, there's a local church. And that's happening right here. This is the church you can see where we locally assemble in this one geographical point. Verse 15, there's a high likelihood, I believe, you're dealing with the body of Christ. But all of these things right, are true of a local church as well. You're behaving yourself in this local assembly in the right way. And that's why Paul says, if, if I tarry long, if I take a while to get there, here's the manual here's the topics that you need to address right now. And if there's anything else needs addressed when I come, I'll help you out with that. Look at chapter 4, verse 6. You'll see it again. If thou put the brethren in remembrance of these things, say, Pastor, I've known about this for a while. I know about tithing. I've heard about dress standards. I know about church attendance. You've mentioned it. The church I grew up in mentioned it. I know this. Maybe it's just a reminder Amen. Maybe it's just a reminder. Maybe it helps all of it. Maybe it helps some that weren't aware of it to get on the same page as you. So be patient with some of that. Right? Some of this might be elementary for one half. And the other half, it's the first time and it's different than what they grew up with. And that, that also makes it tricky. Because some, some people have heard it a hundred times and some none. If thou put the brethren in remembrance of these things, thou shalt be a good minister of Jesus Christ nourished up in the words of faith and of good doctrine whereunto thou hast attained. Now, as your pastor, I, I want to fall into verse 6. I want to be a good minister of Jesus Christ. I want to give you the words of God. That is the words of faith and good doctrine so that you know how to handle these tricky topics. Alright, if you would turn your Bible to 1st... First, uh, first. If you find 2nd Titus, you let me know. But for now, we'll just go to Titus. <laughs> in the king james version we just have titus (laughs) plain old titus titus chapter 1 titus chapter 1 and verse number five let me say this before we read the verse depending on the area depending on that local church the challenges that you need to address will change right some things might be more pressing it might be something that's dividing the church at that moment then you can go a hundred kilometers down the road and that other church has that squared away so don't think that the list I've put together is some unanimous list all over the world everybody needs to talk about these things I've prayed and prayed for the last several weeks what what things do we need to cover and they're not all things that we're necessarily struggling with just some things that we don't often talk about I would like to I want to say exhaustively, as exhaustive as we can. Rather than me mentioning in a sermon here, a little bit there, let's take one full lesson and just deal with the topic. Maybe a lesson or two if we, if we need. And let's, let's fully address it. Let's not be afraid of it, but expose it to the light. So, Titus chapter 1 and verse 5 For this cause left I thee in Crete, that thou shouldest set in order the things that are wanting, we might say, lacking. And ordain elders in every city as I had appointed thee. Titus is somewhat like Timothy, another young man that Paul had discipled and, and trained. Now he says, instead of Ephesus, this is the island of Crete. And he's, Titus, there are some things lacking in those churches. And I am deputizing you, I'm sending you there. Go see what areas they're struggling with and set it in order. Take the chaos. And apply the words of God to straighten things out and give order. Look at 1 Corinthians chapter 11. And of course, that's what we're attempting to do here. If there is confusion, if there is, I don't want to use the word chaos. That sounds like a strong term for this. But if there's confusion on any of these things, we want to introduce the word of God and then create order with it. Uh, 1 Corinthians 11 and verse number 34. Now, in this church, the Corinthian church, was, they were struggling with a number of things, right? The list that I have planned to go over with you is, doesn't look very much like the list from, from 1 Corinthians. Thank God. <laughs> that church had some serious issues going on. Almost every chapter, a new problem is introduced. And Paul says, guys, you've got to deal with this, you've got to deal with that. You know what's real interesting about this? Please hear this part even though there were a number of issues, doctrinal and practical, like behavior things. In 2 Corinthians 7, Paul still says, I have great confidence in you. <laughs> he could still see the potential in that church even though there were some people causing problems and there were doctrinal uh, issues. He still he didn't throw the baby at them. So, in chapter 11, it's all about the Lord's Supper, the last half of it rather. It's about the Lord's Supper. They were grossly confused about it. We're talking way out of whack. People were bringing a sack lunch to church and eating. Some people, it sounds as if they were getting drunk at church. And then the guy next to him had nothing to eat. And they're calling that the Lord's Supper because they did it under the roof of the church. (laughs) Paul says, Guys, that is is not the Lord's Supper. And he straightens them out and says, This is what it's about. Take it serious. Verse 34, if any man hunger, let him eat at home, that ye come not together unto unto condemnation. And the rest will I set in order when I come. Some things you can deal with paper and ink. Do you remember this in 2 John and 3 John? At the end of those letters, John says, I don't want to write about this with paper and ink, but when I come face to face, then I'll address these things. There are some things better dealt with personally. And if, I, if you allow me just for a moment to bunny trail, WhatsApps and SMSs, that is a fine tool. There's a right way to use it. But guys, be careful that you don't try to deal with complex, tricky topics in a WhatsApp. Sometimes it's better to sit down, have a cup of coffee, and actually talk that thing out. And Paul knew that. So, sometimes the issue is so big, you, you would write half the Bible just trying to deal with that issue. Better to go there and straighten it out. All right, so let's talk just for a moment. How do we, what's the right approach? What's the right attitude when we talk about these tricky topics? Right, just a few things. One, recognize the level of complexity. Whatever the topic is, some of them are going to be very, very simple. Let's not overcomplicate those things, right? Uh, Dr. Ruckman used to tell us this all the time. If it's right, do it. If it's wrong, quit it. <laughs> How's that for simplicity, right? <laughs> if you see it in the Scripture, there it is. If any man knoweth to do good, doeth it not. To him it is sin. I mean, that's just straightforward, bam, there it is. He'd say, if it's right, do it. If it's wrong, quit it. And then he would say, and brother, if you, if you can't quit it, kick yourself, don't kick me. <laughs> Amen, amen. That I like that. That's that's simple. And many issues in the Bible are that straightforward, right? So if it's if it's simple, don't overcomplicate it. Secondly, we're going to flip this around. Don't try to simplify that which is complicated. <laughs> Sometimes the question. <clears throat> or the subject is not an easy, yes, that's how it is. No, that's how it is. Sometimes you have to say, it depends. It depends. If this is happening, then that. If that's happening, then this. <clears throat> Forgive me. You guys remember this in Proverbs chapter 26? Verse 4 says, Answer not a fool according to his folly, lest thou be like unto him. Right? Well, you say, well, there it is. If somebody's talking nonsense, just don't answer it. You know what the next verse says? The very next verse? Answer a fool according to his folly, lest he be wise in his own conceits. (laughs) Well, Solomon, (laughs) you didn't didn't help me much, bro. Which way is it? Should I say something? Should I not? That's that's not a simple answer. Say, Pastor, should I address it? Should I not? I, I don't know. Tell me more about the situation. It's a little more complicated than just yes or no. You see? Uh, i'll give you an example if somebody comes to you and says hey listen brother i want a simple yes or no answer to this have you stopped beating your wife (laughs) all right go ahead and give me a simple yes or no (laughs) because either way you're hanging yourself do you see that yes i've stopped beating her (laughs) when were you beating her (laughs) right Or if you say, no, I've not stopped beating her. (laughs) Either way, you cannot expect me to give a simple answer to that. Have you stopped stealing money from your workplace? (laughs) You see, that's a little more complicated. Whoa, wait a minute. Why do you ask that? What do you mean stealing? I I don't know what you're talking about. You cannot always just say yes or no. All right, so some of these issues... When we bring them up, we're going to say, okay, this is black and white, there it stands. Right, wrong, definite. And then there are some issues where there's black, white, and some gray area in between. So when it's simple, we'll try not to overcomplicate it, vice versa. If it's complicated, we'll not try to just dumb it down and simplify it. Try to deal with it honestly. Uh, If you would, take your Bible to Jeremiah chapter 29. All right, this is the second. Recognize the level of complexity. And then secondly, recognize the duty and the intention of the teacher. Why is he bringing these things up? Is he just trying to stir up trouble? Because we don't hear other pastors talking about these things. Why is he bringing it up? It's my duty. What other pastors do with their congregations, it is between them and God. I'm not standing here today to try to judge what they teach or don't teach, right? I'm going to assume that they are praying about it and leading their congregations to the best of their ability. That's true for some and not true for others. But that's none of our concern. I have a God-given duty as the pastor to address these topics. You've seen this in Timothy and Titus, right? That's what we're supposed to do. So it's my duty. That's why I'm bringing it up. And, And by the way, I'm happy to bring it up Not everything that I'm going to talk about do I enjoy discussing, but I'm happy to do it because God wants me to do it. Now secondly, the intention. Why am I doing this? And this one is real simple. I'm trying to help. That's it. I'm trying to help. If you have doubts about that, if you believe that the man in the pulpit is not trying to help, you should probably find another pulpit to sit under. If you doubt the intentions of the one teaching, then find somewhere where you don't have those doubts. Either that or maybe discuss your concerns with the pastor and get those things cleared up. But don't sit there week from week going, I, w- I wonder if he's trying to do this and trying to get that. And is he... You've got to come with a, a heart that is open to learning from that guy in the pulpit. Right? Now this I think you can see clearly in many places in the bible moses john the baptist paul obviously jesus right some people thought that jesus was saying these things out of pride do you remember even his own brethren yeah just trying to gain a following you know things like that hmm. they they doubted the intentions the motives so one thing that's going to be important as we go through these things we deal with some tricky things It's my duty, and I'm trying to help. I I want to show you this in Jeremiah 29, verse 24. This was especially true with the prophet Jeremiah. They doubted his intentions. Jeremiah, like myself, he wasn't trying to pick on anyone. He's not trying to single anybody out. He's not trying to just cause problems because he likes to see people fight. He's just trying to say, thus saith the Lord. Verse 24, thus shalt thou also speak to Shemaiah the Nehelamite, saying, thus speaketh the Lord of hosts, the God of Israel, saying, because thou hast sent letters in thy name unto all the people that are at Jerusalem, and to Zephaniah the son of Masai the priest, and to all the priests, saying, now this guy, understand, I don't want you to get lost in the language of it here, this guy is Shemaiah the Nehelamite. He wrote a bunch of letters and sent them out to the people. Right? And he's stirring up problems what he is. But verse 26, this is what he wrote in the letter. The Lord hath made thee priest in the stead of Jehoiada the priest, that ye should be officers in the house of the Lord. For every man that is mad and maketh himself a prophet, that thou shouldest put him in prison and in the stocks. So Shemaiah wrote the letters, sent it out to the people. The priests down at the temple get these letters. And Shemaiah is saying, hey, you guys have been ordained by God to stand up and deal with any madman. He's pointing at Jeremiah. Any madman who's making himself a prophet, you're supposed to arrest him and put him in the stocks. So Shemaiah is saying, come on guys, do your job, deal with this. Verse 27, now therefore, why hast thou not reproved Jeremiah of Anathoth? which maketh himself a prophet to you. For therefore he sent unto us in Babylon, saying, now here's Jeremiah's teaching for them, this captivity is long. Build ye houses and dwell in them and plant gardens and eat the fruit of them. And Zephaniah the priest read this letter in the ears of Jeremiah the prophet. So these these letters that had been circulated eventually made their way back to Jeremiah. Now do you see in verse 28 what Jeremiah was teaching, he told the Jews that had already been taken to Babylon, you're going to be there for 70 years. The the vast majority of the prophets in Jerusalem and in Israel, they were saying, nonsense, just rubbish. That can't be true. Two years tops and God's going to deliver us and bring everything back and restore the temple. Everything's going to be fine. God will overthrow Nebuchadnezzar. Don't worry. Peace peace and Jeremiah stood up and said they say peace peace but there is no peace to the wicked saith my God you're not going to be here to you 70 years so you guys in Babylon get comfortable make a life for yourself there and pray for Nebuchadnezzar <laughs> pray for the government submit to him because your generation isn't coming back guys that is exactly how it played out Jeremiah was right Shemiah was saying, Hey, man, that's come on, let's be Jewish, let's be patriotic, let's build up our country again. Jeremiah is trying to tear us down. So, verse 30 Then came the word of the Lord unto Jeremiah, saying, Send to all them of the captivity, saying, Thus saith the Lord concerning Shemiah the Nehelamite, because that Shemiah hath prophesied unto you, and I sent him not, and he caused you to trust in a lie. Therefore, thus saith the Lord, Behold, I will punish Shemiah the Nehelemite and his seed, and he shall not have a man to dwell among this people. Neither shall he behold the good that I will do for my people, saith the Lord, because he hath taught rebellion against the Lord. Now, I, I, I've read that passage to you just to show that when you doubt the intention and the duty of the preacher, right, you put yourself in a position where you can't learn. And that's obviously going to hinder us. Now, When you come to hear these lessons, you've got to come with a heart that wants to be helped. I just want to give you... Let's just skip Proverbs chapter 19. I'm running short of time. Let me finish here. Proverbs 19, verse 20. If any of you are taking notes, I'll read you. You get Proverbs 19, verse 20. In Proverbs 10, verse 8, the Bible says, "...the wise in heart will receive commandments." He'll take it. He says, I I want to hear this. Tell me how it should be done. Proverbs chapter 19, verse 20. Hear counsel and receive instruction that thou mayest be wise in thy latter end. So, all of this is said that you got to come with ears to hear, with that attitude of, I want to be helped. And I, I think I'm doing it right. I think I got the right attitude. But if I'm missing anything, please show me. I want to know. The Bible says in Psalm 119, verse 165, Great peace have they which love thy law, and nothing shall offend them. Because, hey, if it stands like that in the Bible, I'm not going to get upset and go, oh, somebody's picking on me. That's not the case. There it stands. We're trying to help. So, in closing, I want to give you a list that I came across. This, I did not write this list. I will honestly tell you, I added number 10. <laughs> But the other nine things, this is, I'm reading you the table of contents from a book I came across uh, while I was in the States recently. The book was called People You Cannot Help. It was written by a man in his 70s, I believe. He was a pastor for years, an assistant pastor, I believe, for years. And um, he, he, this is his list, People You Cannot Help. You can't help everybody. That was the first chapter. <laughs> you can't help everybody. You do realize that, right? Say, so-and-so came to church and they didn't get help. Boo-hoo on the church. You can't help everybody. Number two, you can't help people who dislike you. That's true. Number three, you can't help a know-it-all. Number four, you can't help people who will not follow instructions. The word for this is stubborn. Number five, you can't help people who don't think they need help. Number six, you can't help scorners. Those are people that make fun of the truth and have that attitude of of, it doesn't matter what you say, I'm going to mock it. Number seven, you can't help the inconsolable. That is, they don't want to be comforted. They, they, They want to be angry. They want to be sad. Well, there's nothing you can say to change that then if they don't want help. Number eight, you can't help people who will not be honest. Number nine, you can't help people who will never learn. There's a verse about that. Ever learning, never able to come to the knowledge of the truth, right? They'll sit through all the lessons, but they're not sitting here to learn. And then I've added number 10, you can't help people who won't show up. I mean, if you're not here for the lessons, how can I help? If, if you want the help of the doctor with the pills and the injections and the diagnosis, you, you need to go there. You need to visit the doctor and be in his presence. So just let me tell you what I'm planning to cover, and then we're going to take a break. And this is the list so far. As God leads, I might grow the list. And this is not the order, by the way. I might shift this around. We are, we're going to talk about tithing. Yay! (laughs) See how exciting that we're off to a great start. Yes! I've been waiting for this. Guys, it's been ten years. I do have a lesson in our discipleship about giving. We talk about tithing. And I have mentioned giving in a in sermons here and there. I in ten years I can't remember a full lesson just about this topic. So I think we're overdue. All right, tithing, number two, submitting to and honoring the pastor, the, the leadership in the church. You saw it today in Timothy. Pray for me, that'll be a tough one. <laughs> number three, dress code. Publicly, yes, but even for church. <laughs> I, I'm, I'm, I'm feeling the feedback without anybody saying anything. Uh, number four, YouTube. We're going to talk about YouTube not in, in the broad sense, just how you use it, how much you use it, how often you use it, but we are going to specifically talk about YouTube as it pertains to church. Number five, Bible versions. It's been a while since we talked about it. We're going to deal with that. Number six, church attendance. God knows I've harped on that in so many sermons, but I don't think I've ever had a a lesson or a sermon just on that. So maybe by having a lesson on it, I'll stop harping on it. (laughs) So consider that a good thing. (laughs) Number seven, Music. I have taught a few lessons on that. We're going to cover that again. Number eight, devices in church. Devices in church. Now, just so you know, here's one. (laughs) So don't think this is, you know, we're banning that. We're just going to talk about the use of them specific. Yeah, obviously at your house too, but in church. Number nine, child care in church. What's the Bible say about it? how does our lo- local church need to deal with it? Because right now we're in a rented space. How do, how, what's our approach? And then number 10, we're going to talk about hell. <laughs> you, you might think that sounds strange, but yeah. there are a lot of folks that are afraid to talk about that because you'll don't, don't try to scare people to God. That's kind of the mentality. We're, we're going to take a, a good look at this. We're not trying to deal with that topic like doctrinally, is there a hell? I mean, If you believe the Bible, I think you know there is one. But we're going to talk about what's the proper way to talk about that in church and with other people. So, so far, that's the list. So, if you would pray along with me, pray that God gives me wisdom and and, and balance as we go through this. Yes, ma'am. Do you have a question? Dress code? Yeah, dress code. Dress code. All right, guys, thank you for your patience. Let's pray and give you guys. I think a beautiful day outside, so we'll step outside and let you guys fellowship for a while. Father, thank You so much. So great to be here, God, for so many reasons. I do pray that as the weeks go by now with these lessons, that You would give grace, Your hand would be on it, You'd continue to guide us into all truth. Bless our fellowship and especially the service to come. In Jesus' name, amen.